There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Stacking Pennies. Don't have any races to break down, but we are going to get into all things Nashville. We're also going to be joined right here in studio by Todd Gillen to break down his season and his career to date. So we're going to have some fun. Buckle up. This is Stacking Pennies. Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. Hello, friends. I'm Corley Joy, driver of the number seven Chevy Camaro in the NASCAR Cup Series, joined by the normal band of characters. To my right, Ned Flanders. I mean, Chuck Bush. Addily doodly there, neighbor. I definitely can see it. Yeah. yeah the mustache is strong, and the great the green shirt really accentuates it. Mustaches. Um, you get lost in it. I want to make the introductions before I dig into what we did in this off week. Jonathan Merriman. How's it going? Doing, going great. And then uh, freshly back from Jersey, still has a little bit of scum behind his ears. <laughs> Smell that? Floor. It's, I've always had a little bit of scum behind my ears. It's never yeah, you have that. Dove. And some shampoo. I thought cool. you were talking about Sean over there, Trusty. No, he showers. I don't know. He's um, from Chuck, what'd you do this weekend? I went to a reenactment. Did you win? Yeah, 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 we did. What'd you reenact? Uh, 1992 Atlanta? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Petersburg. Battle of Petersburg. 160th anniversary. Uh, or Sorry. Not so, 60th. My math's probably off. I'll bring up how it came up of what he did this past weekend. I put in pavers. You know, like you dig down and put, you know, like the bricks underneath the At your house? the stairs. Yeah. So, like, where do they put the stairs? There's some just dirt without grass growing on it yet. So, I just got a shovel, dug it out, put some sand, nice pavers, filled it in. Did with you like, what? Yeah. With what? My feet. Did you really? And my hand. You didn't get a little. No. I ain't got time for that. Dude, Want it done. We are totally tampon. rolling our ankles on that this summer. No, it's going to be good. It, so, I, I said. So, you know love the it. you know the saying, like. The job's okay, but at least it ain't digging ditches. And I said that, and I because I thought to myself as I was digging, like shovel in the backyard, like this is actually manual labor. I kind of like it. And then Chuck overheard that, and he was like, "I dug some trenches too this weekend." Yeah. Which hence leads our conversation. Yeah. We dug. You dug substantial amount of trenches. Like an actual trench. It was probably about like we dug down probably like three-ish feet, and then you take that dirt and you fill it over on the top side, get some logs, lay it down. You build up a little wall, boom, you've got a fort. So what does the farmers whose land you f***ed up have to say about the trench you left in there when the What they over? said was just as long as you fill it back in, we're good. What's the difference between a trench and a foxhole? A uh, foxhole is for one or two And people. one fox? Yeah, one fox. And you there's a bunch a of chucks in, in a trench. Yeah. Did you win? Yeah, I mean- Were we, you entrenched? Was, we were the- There was five people on the opposing side. We were the 10th New York, so they did what, end up What winning. war is the Petersburg? Civil War. Okay. There was five on the offense on the on yeah. the other side. What they basically five on five. No, no they it was five it was on a hundred. A couple of guys with uh, cannons and uh, some muskets, and they just every now and then like fire off some shots to keep some, keep our heads down, and then they'd uh, set off some charges in the trees and in the ground. Like there were big cast iron like 
kettles with black Project powder house? and dirt. What happens if somebody sticks a rock in their musket barrel? Then <laughs> gets weird. <laughs> have you ever had like an accident? Oh, yeah. There? Yeah. People have been uh, accidentally shot. Yeah. I don't think anybody's died from it yet, but like there was <laughs> they, one time like a ram, they left a ramrod in and like that went flying <laughs> through the air. <laughs> like those guy that got shot in the neck one time with a bullet. Like it happens, you know, it's just like it's a risk that you take. So you said you're, you ate bread and salt pork. Salt pork. Yep. So pork with salt on it? Yeah. Well, you basically like. It's like dried. You cut it up and you stack the pork in there and then you like laden it, it, it down with mm. the salt brine and it cures it basically so it can store. You ever heard of pickleball? I heard a lot of people are picking that up as a hobby. <laughs> Seems like there's a lot of courts. Yeah. Right, just like, a paddle and a ball and go. We dug, we dug this trench that could fit about 115 people in about 45 minutes. I think paddle ball, they have different levels. Yeah. You find good opponents. You can even have a teammate. Just look into it. I had about 150 teammates there this weekend. Yeah. Well, you're going against five. So, yeah. congrats. They were just there. split them up. They were there to just create, like, the atmosphere of guns and stuff going off. You never saw them. You just heard them. I, I don't think I'll ever understand it, but I got to say, I respect it. It's fun. And I didn't have my phone with me for a couple of days, so that was really nice. nice. It yeah. is very nice. Yeah. Uh, you were going to go up to Jersey and race. I was got, in New Jersey. Got rained out. Yeah. I went there um, with no expectations of the race and then stopped by Blewitz for about 10 minutes. And he's like, oh, I just bought a car that I'm going to rent out. I said, should we unload it? And then I came back like four hours later and it was unloaded, damn, they're ready to race. Yeah. So, yeah, I went up there, ran, ran practice, and um, thunderstorm came through and took out the power grid. Mm-hmm. So, loaded up, went home, but it was cool to get to go around. Yeah. All stadiums' future has been limbo, I feel like, for like 30 years. So, I always get nervous that like when I go back, it you don't know how long it's going to be around for. Uh, so, so, every time I beat it's last. I always, I don't think so. I think it's in good hands with, with the people that are running it. But you never, you can never be too certain with property value in New Jersey. So, it's nice to go up there and uh, run a couple laps. We went to the boardwalk. We did a lot of fun stuff yeah. up there. New Jersey, paradise without a passport. Mm. Way better than Virginia. Did I ever tell you guys about my first New Jersey experience with him? Uh, no, tell us. So the only time I've been in New Jersey is on the turnpike, whizzing through, right? So I'm with him. I forgot even what we, I, I went was to go doing. race Trenton indoors. Yeah, yeah. So we ride up there, drive the trailer up, and we go to pull into Blewitts. We weren't in New Jersey. 45 minutes and we pull out of there and there's a bag of trash scattered all over the road. Yeah. And I looked over, I said, this is exactly what I pictured New Jersey to be like. <laughs> That's exactly how it went. That's and on Herbertsville come, road where Sean Brennan is from. That is right where that is Sean's town. That, everything makes sense. now. Everything makes sense. Alpha vision media and trash on the ground. So you made it back safe and sound 13 hour ride home yesterday, mm. but it was good. Yeah. It was a, it was a fun time. You didn't go anywhere. Literally stayed here, kicked my feet up, enjoyed Father's Day at uh, Bigger Ann's by the pool. Worked out a lot. I saw the group text was firing up. I've been d- digging 6 a.m., buddy, getting it in. Feeling good. Went golf on Friday. Don't, I only get to no do way. that about once every. Where? Lake Tillery. Down there, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Where's that? Hit him really good, too. Down east. Really good for me. Like Let's go with any race people? No, just Carl Folkler. You don't know. No, that's yep. cool. Um, shout out, Carl. Um, what'd you do, Merriman? Uh, went fishing. Did you? Put the old John boat in the water. Mm. Spun a prop. What's that mean? 
the shear pin broke off of it. Did you get stuck? Uh, no, I had a troll motor, so we just we just went uh, very slow. Went electric there. Mm. Yeah. So did you have the kids with you? Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Got a Ridge wallet for Father's Day. Nice. Got one of those. They're super efficient. Yeah, love it. Nice. Really saving my ass cheek right now. Yeah. You sit on your wallet? Oh, for sure. Oh my god. Don't do that. Terrible. Well, I'm not anymore. I got this. Put it in your front pocket. Never. I got another story. You want to hear it? Yeah. So I, this is, I was probably 13. Just like right at the age you start like put like think you have like three bucks in your wallet, yeah. right? Yeah. Did, were you yeah. a wallet chain guy? Everybody I, had, everybody like had a wallet chain guy? I had a wallet chain. I had a, definitely had a wallet no, chain. Dude, I never I had, had a wallet chain. I had a bitchin' Dale Earnhardt trifold Velcro. <laughs> <laughs> that thing would open up. I'd buy a Gatorade at the gas station, <laughs> put it back together, go to uh, – Connecticut over, you know, Christmas or something. I always wore it in my back pocket. I'm hanging out with grandpa at the junkyard all day. And I get back to the house and he's like, grandpa says, uh, you missing something? I was like, I no, I got everything. You sure? I was like, oh, now my wallet. And he was holding it. He said, this is why you always wear it in your front pocket. Sucker picked it right out of Picked there. it out of your pocket. Yeah. No, really. When we went or down to chain. When we went down to Greenville. He couldn't have picked it with a chain. That's a fair point. When we went down to Greenville for that uh, vintage shoot, I picked Mamba's pocket uh, when we were leaving the place. And it was pouring down rain. And I think he was a little bit worried there for a little bit. But mm. Well, do you still, where, what happened to the Dale Earnhardt wallet? It got just like, got so much money stuffed in it, man. The seams broke. I'm going to go on eBay and look for two old NASCAR wallets. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was a sweet wallet. How about we talk about some NASCAR? What do you got? I don't know. There wasn't much going on this week. Watched a little bit of F1 race. You fall asleep? Dude, it's just br- – here's the thing. It aggravates me every time I watch it because the race is terrible, but you watch it and you're generally excited because the broadcast is electric. Yeah, I, don't, I mean – Because the the product that they're selling – they can sell some ice to Eskimo. The cars instead of the trying cars to figure, are interesting to me, but the racing, I, I mean, I'm just not into it. Max Verstappen wins by a, half a lap every week. Is that the car or is that him? Max is on another level. The well, cars are that much better. Cars than are really good. He's the best driver in the world right now. I think Lewis is good too, but their Mercedes just behind it looks like I don't. I don't know. It's hard to tell. A good car makes a. A good car makes a good driver look. It takes both. Phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. It takes both. I mean, Kyle Larson and Ganassi. He wins a couple of races here and there, but you put him with the group and cars, Hendrick, and he wins 11 races championship. It's so. crazy what Netflix can do for your series, though. A lot of F1 fans, they need to – is that that – who's that kid, uh, the Garage Guys guy that – oh, do you ever see his Instagram where he puts up the F1 yeah. fan and, then and like, the NASCAR fan, he's, like, dressed, like, with an Earnhardt jacket and bubble goggles. I'll show you a couple of them. But it's hilarious. But yeah, like, dude, our product is second to none. Substantially right now. better. Yeah, it's. I don't think there's. Like, I, I don't know. You like, go into the weekend. Too much you, for Homer. You don't know who's going to win in the NASCAR race. You, Ever. Yeah, you yeah. Can pretty much guess each and, year. And now, it's be. nowadays, with almost 90% certainty that it's going to be a Red Bull car. Yeah. You know, like, you legitimately have no idea who's going to win this week. Well, I think one no. good thing, too, about Garage 56 is we kind of. We captured some attention, you know, two weeks ago. So, yeah, maybe we can roll that up into getting some eyeballs on Nashville. Ah, do you think it translates? I don't think it translates. I mean, I, th- I think at least people people know what the bar mark is over there now, right? Like people are aware that NASCAR is 
out there. We got big ass cars with big ass motors and mm-hmm. do some cool stuff. Fast pit crews. They did a good job. Yeah. yeah. Everybody made, I mean, I mean, I think there's a lot of awareness, right? I'll say it again. I said it last week when I was on the phone, but I was super proud of like our sport is, you know, and, and how they showcase that. Yeah. To all them guys, the, the picture of all the cars sitting on the grid. And then there's like that one car, like four cars back that has the, like from the Lightning McQueen eyes on it. And it looks like it's looking at, <laughs> at the cup car. Like, what is that? What's this thing doing here? But I loved it. Like, uh, they put up the in car of that thing passing one of the, I don't know if it was a GT or what, whatever car they had, but it just drove up and passed it, drove right by it. I'm like, oh yeah. Love to America. see it. America. Eat our dust. Little eagle screaming as it goes by. Four Goodyear eagles screaming. Speaking of broadcast, you excited? You excited for NBC? I am. Night race. Yeah. NBC kicking off with a night race. Sunday yeah. night race. Mm. Yeah, it's like a six. Is it six p.m. their time? Yeah, Central seven time. Seven p. Eastern. Woof. Well, how you say that? That's just a. Well, they're trying to. They're trying to save you a little bit too. It's going to be hot. Oh. So, okay. you know, sun goes down. You got cool suits and air conditioners, bro. <laughs> Unzip like that fire suit a little drive, bit. Bro. Yeah. It's a Sunday drive. It's only, what, 125, 130? The last couple have been hot. Sonoma was pretty hot. Heart rate was up there quite a bit. So, yeah. It's about – everybody asks all the time, how hot's it in the car? It's about 35 to 40 degrees above ambient temperature, maybe a little less than Get that. Get a little pro-carb in your water, you'll be good to go. Get a little pro-carb. That thing dials me right in. Yeah. supposed to be 91 Sunday during the day. Yeah, I th- thought I saw a real feel. It was like 97 or something. Yeah. That place is Not concrete, cold. right? It is. So that's going to help you a little bit in terms of heat. It's I was so looking cool. at that. Like, I was just looking at that track in general. It was built, what, 2001? Why would they design that track the way they did? Uh, kind of makes mean, me confused. It just it just looks like a small mile Kentucky. and a half to me. Yeah. But it's narrow. It Seems is narrow. narrow. Does it race narrow? Yeah. I don't know. With like, not much banking. It's, is it a, is it like a mile and 1. a quarter? 1.25, I believe. It's a mile and a quarter. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't know. Concrete reacts weird, man. It's like it gives a, a weird sensation of grip relative to asphalt. You don't get as much tire slip. and. So in terms of the design of the track, you talk about the, the surface itself? Just, I don't know. I, I guess in theory, concrete sa- like is stronger, longer. lasts longer. I guess it kind of makes sense, but just... The way rubber applies to concrete, it's not the same. Well, I mean, the same people that own Dover used to own yeah, the so same I guess thing. So they must like, have had a beat on some concrete. Uh, concrete's their, their deal. Yeah. I don't know why you just wouldn't make it like a sm- different, smaller Dover. Concrete Carl's going to be there. Concrete Carl's going to be there? I saw Concrete Carl's going to be there. What's he going to do? You got anything for that? No. He doesn't have anything for Concrete Carl going to be there? What's he doing? I don't know. What I just saw that. He was going to be there this weekend. I figured these two would have a little bit of lead on that. What you guys did have a lead on is Josh Berry to the four. Yeah. Yep. yep. That's uh that's big news. They're honoring Nashville's honoring uh Carl Edwards. Yeah. I think Are we just not gonna <laughs> dig into that? Cool. Cousin Carl's back. Thanks for your service. <laughs> Josh Berry in the four. Next up. Carrying the flag. Next guy up from Kevin Harvick. Well we passing the torch. No, as, I mean, as of this podcast recording, we don't know what the number was. I mean, I I don't know why you wouldn't stick with the four. I mean, nothing nothing against like Kevin Harvick, but that's not like a number know. that I'd be if, like, ah, oh, let's get rid of the four. I, th- I have a, uh, I have a different opinion of that. If it was up to me, which rare, rarely ever is it up to the driver on their choice of numbers, right? Rarely are they going to renumber a 20 full, 25 to an 88, right? Or change the number of a car for a new driver. But if I'm a driver and I had a choice, I would want a different number. You, but you always wanted 
the big thing for you is a single digit. Yeah, I think it's more marketable. That's what I remember yeah. when you were, because because you did have a say in it when you went to Spire. Yeah, yeah, because they already had a. Yeah, we had actually number number choices, so that we went to Tommy Baldwin and asked him to use a seven. Because they, that's cause they, my favorite number, but it just coinc- rarely doesn't coincidentally work out the way it did for my situation. Yeah, yeah, and it's family kind of a. Family so if you're too. Josh Berry, do you choose to keep the four or try to make another number of your own legs? It's a lot of rebranding if you don't, but I would. If I'm Gene Haas, I go back to like the zero. What numbers? Yeah, what numbers are out there? The zero, dude. Haas is like a zero, double zero, zero. But I like that. I but like I think you got to keep the four like though, the four. because you know if if you don't keep it, then somebody else could pick it up, right? I guess. And you, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I, I think like that was Kevin's number. Can, do I have? Can I have, say a really cold take? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I would love to see, and this is never going to happen because the teams are connected to the numbers more so than. I know what you're going to say. Drivers connected to the numbers. I wish that if there was – I wish you picked your number when you got to the Cup Series of the available ones, and no matter if you drove a Hendrick or Spire or Front Row or 2311, you kept your number. Kept your number. And everybody knew that Corey was number seven and Todd Gillen is the 61 like, – the, the number is your game. brand is basically what you what you like. I, I think so. How could you go about making a pitch – to where, like, let's just say at the end of 2023, there is a NASCAR comes out and says, all right, guys, the number you're driving currently is you can have that as your first option. That driver has the first option of that number or else you can make deals like NFL guys. They get to new teams. They swap their numbers around and you rebrand. There's a lot of licensing I mean, stuff that goes on there, isn't there? A lot of licensing, a lot of, a lot of probably money that goes into that. I know where you could like start a grassroots program to do that. Where? On a podcast. On stag and pinch, start putting that out in the ether, and then you know maybe maybe one day you get like never gonna one of the higher ups in NASCAR on on the show, and you pitch it to them. That's a good idea. And then they talk about it in their meetings, and then you know it it gains traction, and then in ten years you don't maybe like it, something though. could happen. You don't like it. You got th- you got you got a face. No, I mean you got I just, something to say. I don't, I don't think it's gonna work. You got something to say. I don't, I don't too think, much money wrapped up in it. I don't think you should not try it if this is what you're passionate about your life goal is is to get your number it's a hell i'm willing to die on i think i got a question i got um, i've already as a racer i just think of what ifs right away like in sure. ways around it okay so chase Elliott gets hurt you go to fill in for him what number are you that weekend does it stay the niners or the seven because so now they never put his driver. damn name on the car <laughs> yeah i was a miss i was a stig in there yeah, yeah so yeah so uh, i mean it's bad so i ran in why my <laughs> name on the car the seven okay so who does points go with then the points stay with the, the team. owner? Okay, so then so what's when, the team classified as? What door, number? It's a door number. Yeah. It's not untrackable of what team's car you're running. Like, You have to wear your number on your fire suit, and that's where the driver's <laughs> points come from. The uh, car number points go with the owner's points. It's really, Actually, not, it's really not as hard as you guys are making we'll just, it. We'll it's just not put science. an Apple Air tag on every, on every <laughs> car out there, and that's how we'll track the points. Hey, hey, let's just. Your phone will go off during the middle of the race. Yeah. What my intention was that this argument has now do you No, I mean I think it's a I think it's a valid argument, but I just think there's so much so many marketing dollars that the teams spend that that it's better off if it stays with the team. I mean, because RC ain't gonna let nobody have a three. There's he too would, much money wrapped yeah, up was, in that. I mean that's that's his that was his pre Dale. And if anybody was gonna get it and go somewhere, it's gonna be Dale. <sighs> that's a valid point. The twenty one, the Wood Brothers ain't gonna give nobody that number. Ever. 43. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, we're not well, – I mean, the thing, that's the Jimmy we, Johnson's now, I guess. 
but we don't retire the numbers really. Like yeah. the three went away for a little bit, but it came back. Mm -hmm. You know, it's never really gone. And that's the one of the things that I like about you have the legacy of the four car. If you look at like Sterling Marlin, Rex White, like if you look at the names that have raced that, Ernie Irvin, like there's some big names. Now Kevin Harvick, he's been carrying the mantle of that car for the past how many years now? Over since, ten. Since fifteen. Yeah. So like eight? Is it yeah. Oh. When he brought a championship to it, he brought a bunch of wins to it. it it's, it's like you're carrying the legacy of that number and the folks that went before you with that number. What I think number, that's kind of cool. Could I, could what, I, what number that's not in circulation would you run right now if you had to pick? You, you can't pick the seven uh, for everybody. I like the 71. Oh, I was going to say that. Yeah, that was like my bandolero number. 61. You know what's the number? Like everybody's going to laugh. And like, he, he, 69 is a cool number. It's a cool number. 98 is also it's a cool number. Nice. It's the it's the It's, it's like a, it's like a parallelogram. Yeah, yeah. But It's like eight. Every, like people like eight fits because it's well. a even. It fits together well. And you know, people go, no, like 69 is a cool number, man. Nikki Hayden. Is there a number one? Yeah, uh, Ross yeah, Chastain. Yeah, smashed oh, duh. Duh, Yeah. So I'm like <laughs> thinking, I'm like well, going through it in my brain. I mean, he ain't showed up recently. What would you pick? You'd be 69. 100% would, would pick Chuck. Kevin. But the zero, like, I, I think the zero. That is, fits you better. That's an easy. Yeah. Go off. <laughs> 18. It's, it's in cycle. All right. I know, but yeah, no, it's not. not. Like, it's not. But it's you, not. It's, that's That was, like, my soccer number growing up. Like, 18 was. Okay. That's always been my number. 18 I or mean, 13. has gone. The 15's gone. Maybe 51. Is there a 51? Yeah, the other car. Damn it. They stole both my numbers. Uh, I don't know. Then um, ninety-three. Yeah, sure, sure. It's a good year. I let me say this: Stuart Haas is going to struggle without the leadership of Kevin Harvick. Well, see, this was I was going to ask you because I mean, is They're is this struggling. a good? I mean, you he Josh he, Berry can't turn the opportunity down, but like Josh Berry is a quality racer for sure. But you got to know it's going to be. But a Kevin Harvick is one of the top ten greatest drivers of all time. He's, and he is the only thing that's keeping that thing like his his oars keeping that damn sh shuttle above he's, water. At the he's moment. the only one that's in within the top twenty in points, remotely close to the playoffs. Crazy. Everybody else is behind me. Yes. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Now Briscoe. <clears throat> I mean Briscoe. They got the big points penalty because of the. Yeah, he was illegal, on a couple heaters in a row. Illegal part. I mean, the guys won a race before as well. But like to me, I mean, next year Briscoe is going to be your. He's your I just guy. Th and th this isn't even any sort of a knock on Josh Berry. I'm super no. happy. Get, losing a guy like Kevin Harvick is a dent to it. Uh, is a blow to an organization. Sixty-one time winner or sixty time winner. But but anybody that's had like any sort of conversation. When when Kevin Harvick is plugged, I mean, you you could read the athletic article of just what he's bringing to Fox and hasn't even got to the booth yet of just how much of a professional he is, how much his concentrated focus is on the task at hand. Like Kevin Harvick now has developed and evolved into one of the pros of all pros, man. Like he makes everybody around him better. There's no fluff. There's there's no BS when it comes to him, and he can still, at 46, drive the absolute hell out of a race car. And when that guy goes in T-minus four months, it is going to be a big, big dent to that team. And I don't know where – where does it come from? Does it come – does the slack get picked up from – can a, you know, a rookie Josh Berry come in and you know, he's learned a lot from the processes over at Hendrick. Those guys, you know, if you're within that organization for a couple months, man, you can just see – and probably bring a lot of that stuff with you and of how they 
those guys um, just carry themselves and conduct meetings. So probably some stuff there. But you go from that to a really young lineup with not a whole lot of career wins in the bank. Well, they still no. don't even know what's going to happen to 10. So yeah. that's, that's another yeah. open seat. I mean, there's a lot in limbo. I mean, if you if say that even Eric leaves, like Eric's been in the sport a long time and he understands it. But I mean, Priest, Priest understands racing very well. When, you know, you got now you're gonna have two, you know, all time short track guys in Josh Berry and Ryan Priest, and then, yeah. you know, great driver in, in Chase Briscoe too. But like, like you said, not a lot of experience or feature wins there on the cup at the cup level. And when Kevin Harvick speaks, people listen. Yeah, right. If there's, it seems like there's a little bit of lack of leadership somewhere going on over there because. It's just crazy to me how like their cars aren't very good, and then you have illegal parts on them, and they're still not good. So you're, it just seems like you're reaching. And when you don't have a strong leader like Kevin Harvick there to say no, this is wrong. Yeah, that's when people start pulling the rope in different directions, or the fingers start getting pointed. Thousand, same thing. Just you yeah. know, whatever metaphor you want to use. Right. Every team starts putting their own setups in and, and not communicating with each other. Off reservation. So what's the difference there between them and a, and a team like Trackhouse, which last year had a had a team with two drivers with no race wins? And Cars are fast and, and they're winning. And there's guys like – it just seems like there's better leadership at Trackhouse. Right? So how can Haas get Culture. There? I don't know. I don't. I mean, I mean, I don't know how. I don't know what their inner workings look at like. Or they're shaking up the crew chief stuff. I saw like Boswell's that. on the fourteen now. Yeah. So I mean, I, like to me, like you said, you've got a lot of talent there, right? It's finding. It's you saw it with Hendrick a couple of years ago. Like you were trying to find the right talent to go with the young drivers to figure out how to get the best out of them. Because Chad Knauss and William Byron, on paper, that should be a perfect matchup, and they should just go out there and win. But they they didn't. Well. I go back to, to like Joey Logano and Zippy, right? Yeah. Zippy and Tony Stewart were great together. Right. But then Joey Logano got there and he's like, oh, I didn't know no better. I didn't, these guys all have mortgages and kids and I'm living in my dad's Parent. house. Yeah. And they're like, I this freaking kid. So I, he's like, I was already losing before I got there. Same thing, like William Byron and Rudy Frugal, they understand each other. Yeah. Right. And they are on the same level where, Tony and I mean Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss did, but that doesn't mean that that rolls over to everybody. Right. And figuring that out and being able to work together, I will take less talented people that are all pulling the rope in the same direction than the the best people that are pointing fingers at each other. And I think you know it's a tale as old as time. Back when Junior Johnson put a team together with Daryl Waltrip and got the who's who of the sport, and it was a just complete dumpster fire. Dumpster yeah. fire because there's too you know many too many there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. And that, you know, you need a strong leadership and, and people, even if you're going the wrong way, if everybody's going together, you're going to get somewhere. So right with, with all that being said, there are, to Chuck's point, several, probably hundred talented people within the walls of SHR, right? Josh Berry's going to go into the four car. Don't know the number, but let's assume it's four for a second with arguably one of the top 10 greatest crew chiefs of all time in Rodney Childers, right? So the leadership within that four-car team, that four-team is strong. Yeah. When And when you have Mike Bogoravich, when you have... Great Richard, people, I, great I mean, people. Great Not good pe people, great people. Great people, man. The guys that have won a lot of races, they have the pieces yeah. of great the pickers, puzzle sitting great. there in that organization. All the resources, obviously a, a manufacturer back team with Ford, like they have the pieces. It's just trying to put them together. And... That just 
you know, I saw it a couple weeks ago in St. Louis. You could have all the pieces. And if, if everything's not put together the exact right way, you, man, you, it's a cup series, man. You run 20th. Yeah. Or 30th. Or 30th. Yeah. Or dead last. That's... I mean, it is not hard in the cup series right now to be last. I mean, if you have a bad lap in qualifying, you will be dead last. Yeah. But in the thing is, like with Stuart Haas, like if you told me that Briscoe or Priest or Kevin or Eric were to go rattle off multiple wins this year, it wouldn't shock me. It would shock the hell out of me. It would shock the hell out of me. Just because they've been, just because Stuart Stuart Haas as a whole has been, man, the the last, besides those two wins back to back last year with Harvick, they have been in left field. From what we expect those guys to be fair. Well, Briscoe won Phoenix. I mean, he, he won that. He won that pretty well. But to your yeah. point, like, but they, no nobody over nobody over there but Kevin Harvick is capable of winning more than one race. Ryan right Priest now, he's shown. the only. But he Ryan Priest is on the pole at Martinsville, and, and they he, brought a heater of a setup to Martinsville. Besides that, they've. I don't know that I've seen, meant like tracks like that. I look at the Coliseum. Look at, you know, any yeah. short track that we've gone to. Ryan Priest has been very good. Yeah, Ryan and Chad have something figured out at short tracks. If they finish off that Martinsville race, they land somewhere in the top five. Mm-hmm. I would have said last year that Kevin Harvick wasn't going to win multiple races, and he rattled off two in a row. Yeah. So he can do that any week. We were saying that on this show last year that, oh, Kevin's probably mm-hmm. done, and then back-to-back wins. That's why I'm saying it wouldn't shock me because Kevin definitely can do it just based off of talent alone. Could go and will his way into a win. It's got the have to, Joe. It's got the <laughs> have to. You want to go? I was on? watching Rookie of the Year the other day. Love that. Got to have the have to, kid. The have to. Rosengard. What the hell was he even talking about? What the <laughs> hell was I even talking about? <laughs> oh man. What's it mean sneaky in points right now? Harvick sneaky Harvick. In points? Yeah, he's fifth. He's fifth. Yeah. That's he's that's always being a there. He's there. He's yeah. never yeah. out of it. He's he is they call him the closer for a reason. Well the reason we put on the rundown is because he's he's fifth in points, and then your next closest guy is what, twenty fourth, twenty fifth? His team is super strong too. Like they're they're almost like it's almost like them and then the rest of the team, like the rest of Stuart Haas, because it's like Rodney, Cheddar, Cheddar, everybody on that team kind of does their own deal. Perm, big perm back at the shop. He, I think he even goes, he goes to the track now. Is and then their Dougie, pit is really Dougie good. set up guy on that thing? Dougie's a set up guy on that thing. So, I mean, they, they're a who's who of a race team. Yeah. So if they get, if they find some speed or some mechanical grip. Oh, that dog will hunt. Off, yeah. Yeah, but will it be unleashed, Chuck? What does argument. Gibbs need to do to pass HMS as the number one team in Cup for 2023? So, what makes you think that HMS is the number one team in Cup right now? I mean, they have more wins than anybody else. That's a pretty good indicator. <laughs> That's a good indicator. <laughs> I mean, you got more wins. They're number one. They're not leading points. They're not leading points, but minus a few points penalties, they would be with Byron. Oh, so maybe Gibbs needs to cheat. Is what it sounds like. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm okay. saying it seems like to me that Gibbs is on the rise, right? I mean, since Bristol, they've won more races than anybody else. So what do they need to do to to basically dethrone I mean, Hendrick? Just to that point alone, MTJ went from, from being in the shit house to the yeah, pet house for sure. over the last month or so. Yeah. I mean, my man was out of the playoffs – High and dry, and now he's the championship favorite right now. Points yeah. leader, points leader. Crazy. You think he's the favorite. He's the he's the. If he's the leader. points leader, he's the favorite, right? I would say he's the regular season points leader, but he's not. He's not going to be seated there. But if you get that regular season points championship, yeah. boom. It's three wins, dude. 
which then puts you as the favorite in the, heading into the playoffs. Right? I would say. Yeah. It's a pretty big deal. I mean, I I think HMS, I think 24 car is head think, and shoulders above the rest of the organization. I think the five say? car. And the five. Has, yeah, 24 and the five. He's like, been in contention every the week. The five car has been junked multiple times. Yeah. And if not for that, I mean, you have to be there at the end. I get it. Literally, checkers are records for him. So it's like the 24 and the 5 are head and shoulders above where the 40 and the 9 are, but the 40 and the 9 have also had to sit out this year. I was yeah. I say, haven't made all the So, uh, but if they can't, if those two don't make the playoffs, man, for HMS, that's a. So the, both both those guys are in on owner's points, I believe, at the moment. Who? The 9 and the 48. Mm, I don't think the 9's in on owner's points. It's it's right there on the fringe yeah. though. He should be able to point his way in. Worst case of the owner's points, obviously driver's points. But my my question stemmed from Hendrick has won the past two races in Nashville. If Gibbs comes out and and beats HMS at you know a track that they've dominated for the past two years, does that cement them at the top of the board? Uh, nothing is cement nowadays, but it's all sand one week yeah. and then well, you're good. You're good one week and concrete. You see what I did there? <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean to do that. Um, well, Denny Hamlin was on the pole there last year, so it's not like Gibbs doesn't know their way around. I'm a t- dude. You can be sixty thousandths of rear pickup points away from being dog or being really good. So, there. With that being said, there's no, there's no trends anymore. It is a week by week basis of who brings their best guns, their best setup that week. And then you look at the 24, like Phoenix, right? The four car is going to win that race. And 24 puts two tires on. Yeah. Four car goes for four. Yep, and gets buried. Yeah. That's it. So you never know. That's why our racing is the most exciting. And we're going to talk about our racing a little bit more here with Todd Gillen coming right on up, ladies and gentlemen, right after this. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. All right, guys, joining us right here in studio, another third-generation driver, 2016 and 2017 K&N West Series champion, and second year in the Cup Series. Welcome to the show, Todd Gillen. First yeah. time, first time guest. Yep, it's uh, been watching it. It's uh, definitely really cool. I feel like you guys have grown this a lot, so it's really cool to to be here and be a part of it. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming down here in studio after the off week. What'd you do with the weekend? With our one weekend off all season. Yep, spent some time at the beach. Uh, got a good good sunburn too, peeling a little bit. But we went down to Cabo right from Sonoma, so um, really cool. Spend the week down there and. Right back to business up here. You are kind of tanned up. Thanks, dude. I was working on it. Who'd out there. you go down there with? Uh, went down there with Ricky Stenhouse, his wife, and then uh, my wife. So uh, it was actually funny. Zane Smith, 
Riley Herbs, a bunch of those guys were down there. So we met up with them for dinner. It seemed like there's a lot a lot of racing people down there, so it was a lot of fun. How many uh, acres does Ricky have out there? I don't know. I think it's 200, 300, something like that. Okay, so, so why are you guys running on the side of 152? I totally <laughs> forgot about that. I was like driving down 152 one day, and you guys are just like running down the side. There's no sidewalk. I'm like, here you get run over. Yep, sometimes some, I would like to get run over. Put some context on that. So, so Ricky has Slide Job Ranch. Which is essentially this big old built-out CrossFit gym, more or less. Yep. Right? Well, so it's, he lives there, and then uh, he's got a gym there, and then a bunch of us work out there. Blaine Perkins, Riley, me, Leland Honeycut Honeyman. I don't know his it's last a name. Great it's kind of racing bad, name but... to Leland Honeyman. <laughs> yeah, but it's cool. So we all work out down there. It's been really nice to get to know a bunch of guys. And on Thursdays, we go on our long run. We we leave the the compound up there, run on 152 for a little bit. That's the very beginning. So that's that's the part I would like to get hit by and, um, and not <laughs> have to run. Clip me with your mirror. Do it, <laughs> do it early. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. On the way back, I'm like, nah, this is not the time I want to get hit. But yeah, we run like probably six miles on Thursdays. So those are those are painful ones for and sure. And that's trainer. That's that trainer Ryan. He used to be Case Kane's guy, right? Yep. For a long yep. Time. He's up there and. Definitely pretty tough workouts, that's for sure. Can you keep up with Stenhouse? No, no, he's uh, he's definitely at the top of our our gym still. So, yeah, um, I think we're getting closer. I keep telling him like all of us are still on the way up, and he's probably at his primer, starting to go on the way down. So, oh, he, trash talking. Uh, yeah, Love I mean, he, yeah, he trash talks us, so it's, it's time Good. we give it back to him. You ever have Rich Froning coming there with you guys? He actually did come there yeah. one time. He, uh, I wasn't there that day, but apparently you wouldn't he was there. You no, I heard he's a pretty big guy, but. I'm he's short. Jacked. He's good. <laughs> you know what? He's damn good kickballer. He's okay at kickball. Joey Logano, funny throwing story. Logano at the kickball classic. He, Joey's like, hey, Skip, uh, who the frick is this guy? <laughs> I said, it's Rich Froning, bro. Uh, who's that? I'm like, he's like the CrossFit guy. Oh, he's like CrossFit champion? I'm like, no, he's like the CrossFit guy. He made, yeah. So then he's he, like the Jimmy Johnson of CrossFit. So then Joey tricked him into pitching to him, but it was really pitching it was Froning. Pretty slick. Froning kicked it out of the park. It was but, pretty slick. Speaking of kickball, I got invited this year, so I'm I'm pretty pumped up to to be going out there. So I'll be fun. Were you not invited last year? Nope. <laughs> I guess. I, I mean, it's all good. You know, better late than never, right? Well, I'm excited to have you, and I'm excited to have you right here in the studio. So let's get down to business here and talk about some racing, shall we? Let's do it. So you're so before we jumped on the show, Ryan asked you, "How's cup racing been?" And you let off a similar sigh of combination of excitement and relief and grief all wrapped into one. So what would be, so has your cup racing experience been a year and a half in? Yeah, I think, um, I think this year has definitely been quite a bit better than the last year. Um, but it's also given me, you know, better appreciation for, you know, running where we are, I'd say, you know, mid low twenties and, um, you know, surviving and, and sometimes you get a better finish than where you run. So yeah, I think, uh, it's definitely, definitely really challenging, but it, it's been, really fun to race against the guys. I grew up, you know, watching racing and, and even, you know, the whole stacking pennies thing. I, I definitely understand, you know, what, what that means now to, to just, you know, even the results that don't, people don't see, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of small victories along the way. So, um, it's cool. I think, right. As everyone would probably want to do, we want to be racing for wins. Uh, but there's definitely more, more to be gained out there, you know, even, even further back in the pack. So you are, like I mentioned before, you are a third generation guy, your grandfather Butch, your dad David, and now you are carrying the gill and torch, right? And and doing it really in, in as much of capacity as your dad did. And I know the relationship with my dad sometimes is tough to navigate. So how is it 
David, I think your dad's temperament's much different than my dad's temperament, though. So how is how is your dad and grandpa even kind of supporters of your career? Yeah, I definitely think my dad is is by far my biggest supporter. Um, you know, I'm sure from the first day I, I wanted to race, I don't I don't feel like he ever really pushed me like this is what you should do. I, I feel like I developed my own love for it, but um, he's definitely given me you know every opportunity along the way, whether it's going out and getting a couple late models to go you know, start running stock, uh, stock cars, even to racing trucks against him. And, uh, when I was at KBM and, and he had his own truck team, that was a, an interesting dynamic for sure, but he's definitely always, always been there. And, and for now it's, it's really cool to see, you know, what they're building at Tricon garage. And this is by far the most competitive that, that he's ever had a team. So, um, it's really cool. I, I think, you know, he can be very successful in that. And, um, I, he's always, you know, still goes the majority of the races and, and watches me, hangs out, listens to the radio and, um, he's got advice when I ask him for it, but he's definitely not like the pushy guy that, you know, we, we don't really ever get in fights or anything like that. Mm. Must be nice. Must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he actually spotted for me for both those championships uh, on the West coast. So I think that, that put us in a good spot to yeah. where well, I think we can listen to each other a little bit. So. That, that's pretty cool. You mentioned, you mentioned KBM and that was an interesting tenure there. And one of the all time fire radioactive, uh, quotes, you win in Martinsville. And I want to know a little bit of, we're past the statute of limitations now because now you race against him. It's not like he's going to call you up and drive for that truck team again. So now you can tell us a story. Good what news is, or, if this, if we, we can, can chop it up too, if we need to, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to know what, why you, now here's the thing too. I've come across the start finish line after you win and you're like, F- everybody, you know, like <laughs> this is for me. You came across very emphatically about your boss should stay in the motorhome. Where did that that came from deep down too? There's some pissed off type yell in that radio transmission. Yeah, there definitely was. <laughs> I definitely know my proudest moment. And uh, hey, you're right. You you wish you could have some stuff back, but yeah, I mean that was just really frustrating, right? I feel like you know we came off the two Canaan West championships as a, as a young kid, you know, probably more confident than you should be. And um, I mean, honestly, I. I probably expected myself going to a good team that we could go out and win races and, and definitely compete much better than we did. So, um, I was extremely frustrated and honestly at the end of 2019, when that was like, I didn't really know what else I was going to do. I knew my, my deal with Toyota was probably going to be coming to an end and yeah, just really frustrating and, and just crazy how fast things could change. I feel like in, in my mind, there's a lot, a lot of things going on. Yeah. Just, just overall frustration, right. With yeah. probably myself, the, the whole situation, you now I, I was, wishing that our, our trucks would be better I just sometimes right you don't feel like you're getting listened to and no I, I feel it's just you know kind of the the normal racing frustrations that you know a younger younger me definitely let let the best uh let it get the best of me for so sure. what what have you changed or adjusted or maybe matured in those areas of like when you look back or how different are you as a person or a race car driver since then? Yeah, that's the crazy thing is like, I feel like I'm always been a pretty calm race car driver, but I think all of us, right. I have a fiery side once you get, oh, get damn. down deep enough, but I would say it's just maturity. I think, like I said, going into those years, like I, I just expected to win kind of. And, um, I definitely learned that it's tough. You have to, you know, really have everything go right, but also really appreciate, right. Kind of the journey. And then, uh, when you do have success that, that really how sweet it is. How was the Monday morning meeting? <laughs> oh boy. Oh, I don't know. So I talked to him a bunch that week. Like yeah. I called him. I'll never forget like next day or maybe two days after. And I see Kyle Bush like pop up on my phone. I'm like, Oh, oh no. no, you get that pit of your stomach feel. Like, yes. oh, 
pretty much had it right like definitely yeah. the whole week because you knew you messed up yeah exactly yeah. so damn I and I, I wish i missed the button on that one yeah well it's pretty did much you sitting him, there you staring should, at my phone you should have declined it <laughs> no gosh dude that, that's when you just you know oh yeah hopefully just can jump out of the hole that, that you're very dog is it the toughest conversations you anticipated or was he pretty cool about it um i mean it was pretty tough i, I feel like i was just honestly just super embarrassed by it all right like i felt like he was honestly very understanding of yeah. everything, right? I feel like, you know, maybe even some other other guys, right? Like he he knows the frustration and and the you know push of the button, right? It it, it goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I feel like he could kind of understand that part, but obviously, just for me, it was mostly just apologizing and um, you know, and like you said, at that point, we we both kind of knew we were we were gonna go our separate ways. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know. Definitely, like I said, one thing I wish I had back. That's so. the tough part, though. Like of racing as you get into like the day-to-day and people don't see what's going on behind closed doors but your pressures and expectations and just to tend to forget that you are one key key of the microphone away from going viral right (laughs) like and that's what people remember about that like that's where if you have a bad day it could be on sports center right and like you don't when you get into the routine of going to the racetrack maybe you're not running so good you don't think about that until it happens you're like Oh boy. Yeah. Yep. Oh. That happened fast for sure. Yeah. Like you said, you feel like you're right. Just talking to your team. I feel like all of us were frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely can feel like a, a closed room you're speaking in, but it, it's, it's Bro, out there. That's for sure. For sure. Everybody's scanning. We, we talked about, so Ryan Truex came in and we were talking about having a, you know, you got the button that everybody can hear. Then you have a button only you can hear because <laughs> you could have said that. And if you knew that if you didn't hit the button, it just wouldn't feel as good. Right. So you need a button where you can just scream at it to yourself and then you just yeah. feel much better. So you <laughs> like the spotters when they have the microphone where they can hear themselves. Yeah. That's a driver needs sometimes. Yeah. But nobody else can hear it. That's what we need. I'm closer. Have you ever let a good scream in your helmet? Yes, dude. Dude. I was at the snowball derby with him one time. I thought I got murdered in the car. I'm like, what happened? What happened? You oh. said, um, I quote, you had hit somebody on the restart. You didn't realize you gave nose in and you were going backwards and you said, like that and i was like yeah does he okay and i'm not saying and you drove I'm, not, fence. I'm not saying like a little bit of scream i'm talking like as loud like, as you can scream. <laughs> yeah <laughs> just yeah, let you it catch out. your breath for a lap after yeah that. <laughs> like sometimes you gotta do something like if i if I, there's a caution come out or something and like you're the the car that just didn't get the lucky dog or something i'll let it rip bro <laughs> i mean yep but to. that's it like there's a lot of pressures and a lot of like money and th- like all the things that are the pressures of the job that if it doesn't bounce your way man you're like if you're not pissed off about it then what are you even doing yeah exactly i feel like that's one thing that we we're talking about uh before we started ryan Burgini, my new crew chief like he's really pushed me like to a new level right of all that stuff right of just the constant pursuit of of being you know as perfect as we can be and that's uh just it's a tough journey for sure but it's uh it's a good one for sure too. so you, you win that race in martinsville you and KBM go to separate ways, kind of in limbo, and then you start. You link up with Bob Jenkins in, in Front Row Motorsports, kind of get a lot of success going the following year. Then you find your way into a Cup car. So then you get linked up with, I think, a really good teammate, underrated guy, Michael McDowell, to kind of show you what it is to be a Cup driver because he's seen it from the bottom and he's seen it from the top. So what are some things that you've learned from Michael as a teammate that's helped you grow a little bit? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I think that's one relationship that I feel like is is really really good and and was really unexpected now i kind of grew up and was around michael a little bit here and there um so i feel like it's really cool that he 
I feel like he's almost taking me under his wing in, in a way he definitely didn't have to. So yeah, it's been awesome. He's uh super helpful, understanding of, of everything. Uh, and really, I feel like he's just pushing, you know, front row as a whole. And just to see what he's done there with, with multiple crew chiefs the last few years, I think it's awesome. I think he does a really good job too. But yeah, like I said, that's it's a relationship that I didn't really expect to have as, as good as I have it. And it's definitely one that, you know, I'll miss someday when we're uh, we're definitely not teammates. Well, that kind of brings up the uh, the next point here. Partial schedule this year, you and Zane are sharing that 38 car, which can't be easy, right? But you're making the most of it, driving for Rick Ware as well. How is that? I don't think people realize the challenge that challenges that come with an inconsistent just preparation, inconsistent uh, people, because you've been bouncing back and forth between the 15 and the 51, whichever one they need a bump in points. So how has that approach changed for you this year? It's definitely a different situation. Um, <clears throat> probably not ideal. And, and that was probably another moment, right? When you're like, kind of just frustrated, disappointed, but um, I feel like it's really given me a, a different point of view on everything too, right? It gives me more of a respect for, you know, what the Rick Ware guys are doing and, and really just really appreciative to, you know, feel like even before the season, before we started running a little bit better this year, that you know they were really happy to have me there and, and felt like I could help and bring something to the team. And that's good to feel, right? It, that's not like that all the time. So I think that's the biggest thing for me. It, it's given me better aspect of, of what you know is out there and, and, and what to do. But And also just with the next-gen car, right? Not many people have, have gotten to see what other teams are doing and just experience a, a little bit different. But yeah, for me, I'm just trying to go about it the best way I can. Talk to as many people as I can in the garage, and I, I feel like that's helped build build more relationships this year. So, how did you run at Phoenix? I think I remember something from Phoenix. Did you have a rough day in Phoenix? I had a really rough so day. So, I remember you guys, we were parked on the backstretch, and I was looking at, at the notes here, and you and Harrison on NASCAR's YouTube channel have a series called Fast Friends, and I remember... Harrison had a rough day too, I think, and you guys parked in front of our pit stall, and you're like the last two on the grid, and you both got out and looked at each other like, what the f was that? Like, that's what it looked like. Like, oh, okay, we're going to have to reconsider what we're doing for a living here. That, that was like the look you guys gave each that. other. I do that every Sunday night when I get home. Corey, gives, <laughs> he's, he's gotten out of the car in front of my pit box and looked at me like, don't even look at me, bro. <laughs> oh, but man. how... First off, touch on brutal, touch bro. on fast friends a little bit, and then your you know your friendship with Harrison, and how you guys have navigated you know moving up to the Cup Series together. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I think um, you know with Harrison, it's kind of started out as like a rivalry in, in the K and N ranks. We were uh, racing against each other. He ended up winning the championship. I was leading the points, blew a tire, and he ended up winning. But we were battling the whole year. Um, I think in 2017. So that was probably the peak of our rivalness. And then as soon you know. Right away the next year, we were teammates at KBM and, and went through you know all that stuff we just talked about together. So um, that definitely brought us really close. I think um, you know just seeing what he, each other could do. I feel like we always believed in each other and yeah went through some tough times and and yeah like you said sometimes there's still still tough times but still a lot of good times too and yeah so so doing that YouTube series is a lot of fun. We've went golfing, kicked some field goals last week. I think that's going to come out soon. So yeah just hoping to, to get our personalities out there a little bit more because like you said racing can be frustrating at times and you don't always see the best of a person so hopefully uh, we can push that out there a little bit more i like that is it true that you drink lemon drop martinis oh i, I love lemon drop martinis <laughs> oh <laughs> my god i forgot about that dude. <laughs> well hang on hang on I, only like i don't know twenty thousand people listen to this podcast and how many people know so kelly and i are eating a steak 48 a couple weeks ago and you came in What's your wife's name? Marissa. Marissa. And y'all kind of sat behind me next room over. And Kelly's like, hey, um, I think there's a lemon drop martini over there. And it's not his wife's. 
I was like, that some bitch is drinking lemon drop hey, martinis. Man. I can respect that. And coming from <laughs> a guy that likes fruity drinks, a guy that likes fruity drinks, this he's guy a big likes lemon whiskey drink. neat here, like he's some sort of hard ass. Right? <laughs> can appreciate a good tasting drink. That's the other funny thing about me and Harrison. It's the same thing. Like I drink the fruity drinks. He always gets like bourbon and, and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, that doesn't taste good. Come on, just man up. You it's tell yourself manly. that it tastes good though. I can't do it. Dude, I can't though. I can't. That I'm was with kind you. of a weird stretch. I had seen you at dinner like a couple times in a row. And I know. So did you send the Shirley Temple over to my table? Maybe. <laughs> like what was, how did you even know about that too? What? It was a guest. I think it was a guess, wasn't it? Huh? Was it a guess that you sent him a Shirley Temple? Like make fun of your age, man. Yeah. So young. it was just a guess. Because I, I had gone to a sponsor dinner like yeah. the year before. And a bunch of my team guys just gave me so much crap because it was like the night before a race, so I wasn't going to get the lemon drop. So I just got a Shirley Temple instead, and he got me a shirt that says, like, the Shirley Temple King and a bunch of stuff. <laughs> so I thought, like, you somehow knew about that. No. I was like, well, that is so random. No, but. just, bro, there was a, we were at, uh, we were at California, <clears throat> and it was raining, right? And we were, we raced on Monday, so all day Sunday was a washout. It was me, Ty, Dylan, and Bellacourt. I run into those guys. And we're sitting there, and Kurt, uh, Kurt's there just hanging out by himself with some other people mingling. And he comes over, and he saw some people that he knew, different teams or whatever, and he got some Shirley Temples ordered. And it's, it's kind of like a – like, here's a drink, but, like, not really a drink. Like, ha-ha. It's a joke. Yeah, yeah. So, right? And the waiter brought it to the wrong table, and it was like a table like biker dudes. Oh, boy. And one of the guy, probably 6'3", all tatted up, stood – like off of Kurt's left shoulder and Kurt was sitting at our table at the time. And it was like, bro, did you get me this Shirley Temple? And Kurt was talking, like telling a story. And he was like, you know, it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. He was a couple in. He was like, yeah, he didn't yeah, really yeah. hear. It was rain out. It was Sunday. rain out. Right. And he's yeah. not even driving anymore. He's just there to be a fan. Yeah. The guy asked twice, uh, sir, did you get me this Shirley Temple? And Kurt was like, like, look behind him, look him, look him up and down. I was like, Uh-oh. oh, oh, oh. I'm like, no, no, no. He like, he sent it to, we sent it to the wrong table i'm sorry like it was supposed to go to those guys not you burly looking gentlemen it, that guy was about two seconds away from dumping a shirley temple on kurt's head really oh yeah it was i thought be i thought it was gonna end with like a man i love shirley temple <laughs> <laughs> like, see dude it's like those guys they're just not to the point where they can accept it a good shirley temple is bro pretty tasty should have tried it shirley temples are tasty but I'm, i mean you probably won't see me in public drinking one yeah, I'll drink. I mean, I'm gonna get some grenadine out and dump it on some Sprite, but I probably won't order that. So you're the Shirley Ter Shirley Temple King. I mean, not really. I mean, that's not even my, really my thing. Hey, it happened one time, and then no. Anytime I, people I see you know. out, man, order order the man of Shirley anytime, Temple. We appreciate. If you listen to this podcast, <laughs> get my man of Shirley Temple, and you see Todd go into dinner or lunch or breakfast, <laughs> order him a <laughs> Shirley <laughs> Temple. <laughs> yes. All right. Hey, we got three questions every guest. No matter if you're a driver, well, we asked these to Jake Owen the other day too. We've tailored them to to everybody and usually get some good feedback here. If you had to pick one car and one racetrack the rest of your life, what do you go with? Mm. I don't know. I feel like I always had a lot of fun in the K&N cars at Iowa. I think, um, yeah, you know, it was a lot more fun in the truck there because you could just it was more it fun than the sideways. truck. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Truck, you just can't really get sideways. And in, in the K and N cars, I was, it was so fun running right up by the wall or kind of top lane, not, not right up by the wall, but that was my first time kind of running a racetrack like that. And it's, um, for those things, it's more of like an intermediate type feel. So, uh, I think that was always one of my favorites for sure. Dude, I wish cup cars would go to Iowa once. Could you imagine how rough our cars would be around there now? Holy. 
They're rough anywhere, bro. It's smooth or <laughs> rough. I'm gonna add a I'm gonna add a question here for I'm gonna lean into that third generation aspect here. So if you had to pick one car and one racetrack to race your dad and your grandfather in their prime, where do you go and who wins? Hmm. Wow. They're both West Coast guys too, right? Let me let me go yeah. first because I'll answer. I'll answer. I don't have I haven't really thought about this until just now. Big Rand and Don LaJoy, I would I would take it to their home turf. I'd go a modified at Stafford just because that's probably the, the majority of all of them uh, where they've spent the most time because Dan Barry's not active anymore. And I don't know. I feel like I could smoke my dad. No problem. <laughs> 75 greatest drivers, I'd work him over. I'd give him the nerf bar early. And then, I th- I don't know, I think Don would be tough. He'd be ch- Don would beat you up if you gave him the nerf bar. He would beat me up. Your dad would just give you a stern talking to. Yeah, that's right. He'd just be disappointed, but I'm used to that. <laughs> that's awesome. I'd like to think I'd be able to get Pe- Pepe at the line, but I don't know. He's in, what, he's yeah. in New England All-Racing Hall of Fame, man. He wasn't he wasn't a slouch. And I think race car driving is different nowadays. Like than yeah. it was. It was a little, little more gentlemanly back then, you know, because yeah. guys are working on their stuff and you can get hurt if you wreck somebody. It's a little different. Yeah, like the aggression for level. Sure. It's definitely interesting, right, to see how it changes and it's what makes it tough, right, to compare kind of eras of NASCAR, all that stuff. But yeah, I think from, from your question, I think, like you said, uh, going back to like Irwindale Speedway on the West Coast, I ran there a couple of times. I actually did run against my dad and grandpa there in a super late model race back in the day. I wish I could redo it. I was 14 at the time. So yeah. I think I could get a little bit better of them Did now. Did you beat them then? I actually ended up beating them both, but my dad got in a wreck. He was actually way faster, but I think I could take him now. So yeah, that'd be cool. So you pick a super late at Arrow? Yeah, I think super late model. I've never been actually any good at all in super late model, but I, I want to give that one a try. Okay. I got a question I got to ask before we get further into these. What was it like as a kid with your dad racing the M&M car? That was How awesome. How many M&Ms did you eat? No, we seriously had like probably just what you would think like a whole spare bedroom of like every candy that they make like whole mars company it was awesome so i totally forgot about that i was like man how many years do you drive that thing um i'm not sure a few i I think maybe two or three but yeah it was it was definitely incredible pirate sponsorship whatever that purple car was was he in that thing oh yeah i think it was like free credit report everybody was wearing pirate outfits at the bristol one time (laughs) but yeah that mars car yeah i can only imagine a lot of sugar a lot of sugar in the Gilliland household. So my up. dad was sponsored by Kool-Aid. They were an associate sponsor oh, back like 2000, 99. And we had a shed literally out, outside the house to the roof of cases of Kool-Aid. <laughs> and I would go back there and I'd one of those plastic bottles, like you crack the tops, bro, cases at one time, just sugar water to the dome. You love that. Dude. It's a kid's dream, right? I mean, I was in heaven. <laughs> exactly. Literally in heaven. All right. You, I know you have a lot of, uh, you've won a lot of races, made a lot of racing memories, but if you had to lose all of them and keep just one racing memory, what do you keep? Uh, I think probably my first Daytona 500 last year. I yeah. think, um, like I said, there's a lot of good memories from there of, you know, with my family when my dad was racing, but I think it was, it was really special for me to experience it on my own last year for my first one and still have all the same people there. Uh, just kind of, you know, switched, mm-hmm. uh, what job we were doing. So having my mom, dad, sister, tons of family there. It, um, I think that's one memory that's probably always going to be the coolest for me. What, ab- what about it? Uh, I think just all the pre-race stuff, right? Like you, you get tons of practice. Well, last year we did. And then it seems like, I mean, you're as prepared as you could possibly be for the race on Sunday, but it still is just flies by. I, I feel like, you know, I feel like just the flyover is, is amazing there too. Like kind of basic planes, but 
just how they go like super low right over the top um right there daytona i think um and and for me daytona has always just been a really awesome racetrack uh for the 500 but it's always one that i remember like we get out of school on friday and, and just drive down there right for for a fun weekend it's always one i grew up watching i thought my dad could have a chance at winning at so uh, I think for all those reasons, I think Daytona is always really special to me. It is a special place. Man, you roll through the tunnel there, and it's like it's like yeah, Disney World. This is it. This is the this place. This is the place. And what is the most embarrassed you've ever been at the racetrack? Oh, man. I think we already talked about it. I think um, – well, actually, man, I've done some embarrassing stuff. But I think uh, I think probably Martinsville is, was embarrassing kind of after the race. I don't know. I feel like even just Charlotte, when I when I wrecked and I was like six laps down, it was pretty embarrassing. But there there's tons of them, man. I feel like they come and go, right? It's it's easy to keep topping yourself. Like uh, like Ted Lasso said, man, it could be goldfish. You got to forget about them things. <laughs> right. Well, man, I appreciate yeah. you coming down here and being a guest on the podcast. I'm sure the fans are going to love hearing from you, somebody they don't hear a lot of during the broadcast, like myself. So we're trying to tell the story. Keep up the good work, man. You're crushing it. Good luck the rest of the season. Good luck Thank this you. weekend in Nash Vegas. Yep. Should be fun. Hopefully, I mean, you can keep uh, keep overachieving, right, for We're trying. our teams. We are trying. Just one week at a time, man, stacking pennies. And more stacking pennies coming right up, right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pit Road, boats and woes time off week, so not much to break down, but there's a little bit of shuffle on Pit Road. Stuart Haas announced they made some crew chief changes over there this week. Yeah, so we were talking about that during break and just kind of what that looks like for the you know the team side, obviously. So the 14 card, Johnny Klossmeyer. Yep, Johnny they took him off, moved him to a, I don't know, engineering position engineering of some position, sort. I'm sure. And then took Chase Briscoe's old Xfinity crew chief, Richard Boswell, old late model guy. Used to be a damn good driver back in the day. So now he's applying that racer knowledge. I think they had, what, six wins or so together in the Xfinity series before they went, uh, before Chase went to the 14. And, and Richard has now been with uh, Riley in the Xfinity series for a bit. So they wanted to get him to Sunday get him paired up with his old buddy yep. Chase Briscoe. What does that do? Because the only thing that's changed, the road crew stays the same, engineers stay the same. You just are plugging, essentially swapping the head coach out. Yeah, I think it, you know, there, there's definitely, I've been part of that where, you know, we come in one day and our whole team has switched to a different driver or gear switched off a car to a different one. It happened to me last year, you know, as early as last year, I got a phone call like, hey man, you're on the 12 car now. Like, what? Yeah, 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 I'll see you tomorrow. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Um, that's just part of the part of the sport, really. You're never yeah. really locked down at one team. It's always changing, always evolving. And it's like it reminds me of like Moneyball. You're like, sorry, man, you're fired. Like, uh 
when he's trying yeah. to teach Jonah Hill on how to do that. And it's just something you got to learn to live with. And it, Cut the <laughs> <laughs> But, but from a picker side, it's definitely challenging when you get a new crew chief because you, you know, you, you learn each other the lingo and you learn each other's, there's a, you know, there's the way a, they call race and what they want and what they expect. So it's, it's a definite learning curve. Like you learn going to the nine. Like it's, it's just a lot of different parts that even though they don't seem important, the little stuff, everybody's so close now to the details mm -hmm. of, just keying off of each other, how you call the race, how you know if you're coming to pit road, you know. Well, there's that, but there's also just the the respect and understanding and the relationship of the crew chief driver banter, right? Because the crew chief's job, as much as anybody, is to extract the most speed out of the driver, right? Yeah. Whether that's knowing when to whip the, crack the whip and knowing when to tell them to pace. Yeah. And it's good for Chase to have that that previous experience with, with Richard and, and Boswell also he drove himself so he probably knows it on a deeper level of when to when to tell him to go and when to tell him to hold him. So um that's a dude, that crew chief driver relationship is as hard as a marriage. And and sometimes the marriage is easier. And marriage is hard. Sometime one time I uh saw Richard Boswell get wrecked at Orange County Speedway, UAR race, and he walked from to the guy's car, whoever wrecked him. And did this like arm motion. It was the smoothest thing I ever saw. It was like one motion. He hit the latch on the window net and took the net down in one swipe. I don't think he ever like hit him or anything. He got stopped. But I was like, damn, that was impressive. Smooth. But yeah, he's definitely a racer. He's been around a long time. So I'm sure he'll be able to, you know, run a race team very well. 14 pit crews, really good. They were, they've been one of the fastest, um, you know, is, to start to see. Is it enough to turn the tide for that 14 team? It always, it always moves the needle. Right. And. Just a, a fresh guy in for there. The driver. Excited, yeah. For the, like the drivers, like everybody feels like they got to step up. It seems like it enhances focus a little bit. Like everybody's tapped in a little more. Yeah. Maybe it's because they're more worried about their job or realize mm -hmm. maybe it's just like kicking the ass, realize you're not doing real well. Yeah. But I'm hoping for good things for them guys for sure for this for this deal. And you come back from an off weekend. I mean, you it, it was kind of a nice time to unplug and unwind. And you have like little naggy injuries um, that you just need to heal. So go for an off week, come back, and how many races are left? 20. 20. 20 exactly. Yeah. Didn't you just say we're 16 in? 16 in, so 20 yeah. race stretch to the end. No <clears> breaks. <throat> just straight through. Separate the men from the boys here. Just hammer it out. The end of this deal is going to be. So what What? What are like the nagging injuries? What are areas on your body at this point of the year that are starting to show up? I have um, a spot where I hit my leg with the gun and then. Um, my finger, this finger gets jammed. My middle finger on my left hand gets jammed and really inflamed. Uh, so I've recently switched a little bit of the things I do, changing tires that actually inadvertently help those areas. Um, but it's just like stuff starts getting tender. Knees start hurting a little bit. How many stops are y'all doing during the week? Uh, anywhere from 12 to 18 at the most. That eighteen would be like a heavy week. So like four a day, uh, six, four to four to six a day, depending on kind of what is needed. Some weeks are a lot lighter. Some weeks we don't do Thursday. Some weeks we do. This right now is the time to be taking time off this summer stretch because in the playoffs you need to be ironing it out. Yeah. So like if, it, if there's time to take, if there's ever a time to take time off, it is this summer stretch when we. You know, backward stops are coming up starting next week in Chicago. Nashville's going to be a – I think last year was a seven-pit stop race. That's that's a lot of pit stops. Track position's and, important just like everywhere else, but 
It's going to be a big more one. So. But yeah, you know, you come back. A lot of teams make a lot of changes for the off off weekend typically. So we'll see, you know, kind of what stuff got rattled up and sh- and shaken up once the rosters get put out this week, but uh but yeah, everybody's going to have their best foot forward for these next 20 weeks. There's you know, also a race within a race on who's going to make the playoffs in the next 10 weeks. You know, that's a that's a yeah. huge deal. We were in the thick of that last year. I felt like our playoffs started now. Uh because we didn't have a win trying to get in and, and with the Hendrick cars like Merriman was talking about earlier with that owner's driver point thing like we had when Kerr Bush you know mm. pulled out of the playoffs last year that's going to make it super interesting these next uh, 10 weeks leading into the playoffs hmm well you guys got to keep track keep listening to Stack and Pennies I hear what the woes are but you can also tune in when's the race this weekend Chuck it is 7pm Eastern on NBC on NBC Sunday hmm well, you guys can tune in to see what happens, pit road, boats, and woes. And we're going to dive into some Penny for your thoughts. Questions, Chuck? What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. We got a couple good ones this week. What we got? Yeah, so uh, Doubtful D, or DSADS25, as a former NCHS alum. Is Northwest Cabarrus High School, is pumping out some champs. What's the mascot? The Trojans. Yeah. Go Trojans. Is it Suck still it considered up. NASCAR high due to the high amount of alumni working in NASCAR, or is the workforce from everywhere now? Full transparency. I never knew it was called NASCAR high. But... Um, Brad Parrott, the Parrots went to Northwest Cabarrus. Shout out to those guys, Todd Parrott, Brad Parrott. I don't really know. Bubba and I went to the same high school together, so I guess you can consider NASCAR high. Obviously, it's Menderings? right there. The Menderings went there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jabbo and Kevin. There's a lot of people that. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, man. There's a lot of people in the garage that went to Northwest because it's right in the middle of Right there at Concord. Yeah. I mean, if you worked at Hendrick, if you worked at any race shop. If your dad did. In a, yeah, yeah. If your dad worked in a 10-mile radius of – of Concord, that's probably where where you went there at Concord. So, I guess we're pumping out champions. Concord's finest, ladies and gentlemen. All right, next question. Oh, did I really answer that question? I guess so, in a roundabout way. You're next like, question. Kind of is. Next question is from Alex McFalls. Okay. Wants to know: Do you have any race day rituals that you do to prepare for a race? Examples: prayer, food, yeah, certain yeah. food, lucky penny. Yeah. So I've always I get that question all the time, so it's not very original. But thanks for firing it over. I have always answered that question that I don't have rituals. But when I went a couple weeks ago and drove the nine, I realized how much of my routine is like like a, a routine or ritual, right? Like you're at the same place at the same time with the same meetings, talking to the same people eating. Like you just have this cadence of what your work, what your race day is that's over time developed into what it is. Right. And, um, when you, I was completely out of that, I was like, Holy cow. I didn't realize how much my 
routine was, I wouldn't call it a ritual, but just my routine of what you're comfortable with and your visual cues and habits, appearances and habits. And then you get in the car, right? I mean, there's, there's certain breathing things you can do, uh, box breathing, things like that, that I've generally do when I put the helmet on just to kind of get the stimulation down. But I used to think about left glove first, left earplug first, but at the end of the day, the haze in the barn and putting the right ear plug in before the left ear plug, it's not going to matter anyway. So I just wing that sort of stuff. But when it comes to focusing, when the helmet goes on, that's usually when you can kind of flip a switch and be killer. So the, the routine and just the, uh, overall confidence of your surroundings is much more important than I, than I ever put weight into before realizing that a couple weeks ago. So those are good questions. Um, keep firing them over. Hashtag penny for your thoughts. Penny stacker of the week. So right before I drove over here, I was eating lunch with a buddy down at Cava in South End. And some guy just came up. He called the joy. Yes, sir. I believe his name was Mike. Don't call me that. He said he was a big fan, listens to the podcast, said it was cool to hear about the journey of the Hendrick opportunity. So it was cool. That he, he said hello. I don't quite remember his name, so I'm sorry, but he's going to be listening to this. Shout out to that guy at Kava. Kava guy, you, sir, the penny stack of the week. What's your go-to order at Kava? Uh, white rice, that honey harissa chicken, and then I get, like, all the side stuff. What dressing you get? Harissa. harissa. And it'll, it'll light you up, dude. It's so spicy. I get the garlic. And your breath smells for a week. Sorry, it's New Jersey tap water. <laughs> also, though, Shout out to last week's Penny Stacker of the Week. Uh, Kelly replied. So I was giving her crap about wearing a Alex Bowman hoodie. Well, she responded. So I promised she had the same seven shirt on as my dad under the Alex Bowman hoodie. I'm the one who got them. Thank you. Appreciate that. I was just cold. I will definitely be getting a new seven hat soon. Penny Stacker of the Week on my birthday week is amazing. Happy Father's Day. Appreciate that. At Kelly Kalia 13. That's those are the things that make you feel good, Chuck. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that and I was like, man, that, that's. I was looking for yeah. stuff for this week, and that popped up, and I was like, you know what? That's pretty cool. So. That stuff makes you feel good. Instead of getting a seven hat, you should get a seven hoodie. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Gosh. Yep. Merchandise manager. That's it. Um, all right, guys. Great show today. I'm excited to be back. It almost felt even. I, I know we didn't take a week off, but I felt like it was back coming back from a vacation. It's because he was gone. Ah, that's what it was. It was a different vibe last week, you know? So, Kel, we were, Probably sucked. We were we were somewhere yesterday, and I was just like, I was kind of like, what do they call it? Sunday scaries? No, just like when you're kind of like mush and like you're like not super excited, just kind of like- Mopey, ho-hum. Yeah. Something with a V, I thought. Vegin? Yeah, Veg. vegged out. I was kind of like that. I was just like drinking a busy margarita, chilling on the couch, and Kelly kept asking, what's the matter? Are you okay? What's the matter? And so last night we were going to dinner- She's like, oh, I think I figured out what it is. You miss Ryan. Mm, probably. <laughs> you, I was like, there you, it is. There it is. That's exa- <laughs> you are exactly right. Yeah. You were buddy sour. Bingo. Yeah, I'm buddy sour. Buddy sour. Yeah. yeah. That's like when horse, when you get horses separated from each other, they get buddy sour, and then you know they want to be back with their buddy. Right here. Yeah. Not buddy sour right. no more. Nope. You can come to New Jersey with us next year. No, I don't want to His do wife that. used to vacation in my town. I'd rather be Buddy Sour than <laughs> what is that sour face? water. What is that face? <laughs> Go take a trench, nurse. She can't I, do that anymore because it's not cup. <laughs> it is. Jersey Shore.
I just don't That's where really... Martin Truex goes. He's the re- most recent winner. Like, I get that there is, like, a shore in New Jersey. and that We give Jersey stuff. There. there are some nice places. But, like, when I think about, like, where do I want to go on vacation, New Jersey get, is not No, you want to go to a, a farm and a farm field. <laughs> I go to Charleston. Drink fight against Savannah. five Confederates. Take a trench. I'll bring my shovel. This is this is quite <laughs> relaxing, isn't it, Jimmy? Got any of them maggots? <laughs> like, we can eat... <laughs> You don't eat your mealworms? I'd, I'd sure take some extra if you ain't going to eat your You don't get buddy sour in the foxhole. Right. <laughs> That's it. Y'all have a great day. This was Stack and Penny's. Goodbye.